0: Conversations and connections, community building, refocusing resources, re education, healthy living, strong relationships, and safe spaces. The All Things Black podcast is committed to the onward advancement of creating positive narratives and presenting black news and perspectives that will help create meaningful dialogue with practical solutions. I am the host and the producer of the show. Darrell. my mission is to help tell stories of black lives through the art of podcasting welcome to the all things black podcast welcome to your podcast welcome to your world
1: the vision for the million man march came directly from God himself in other words it was God inspired and God led and represents God's plan whether we call God Jesus Christ Yahweh, Jehovah, Allah or just God he's God I am here to tell you I know firsthand God's power God's grace and God's redemptive love. God took me from the mountaintop to the valley and back to the mountaintop again. Look at me now. Look at me now. I've come back stronger and wiser than ever before. If God can do that for me, He can finally do it for you. Rise up, black people, and be strong. Let God move you and take you to higher heights. Forward ever, backward never. Forward ever, backward never. Forward ever, backward never. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. March on, black men! March on, black men! Move on, black men. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you and welcome to Washington. And God bless all of you.
0: October the 16th, 1995, a day I'll never forget. I was there right there, right, I mean, right there on the mall to see a sea of black men from all walks of life. Entertainers, sports figures, politicians, educators, philosophers,
2: scholars, ministers, priests, all walks of life that day
0: from every corner of the earth, just about definitely every corner of America that came together for a day of unity, a day of rest a day of
2: blessing, a day of peace. I was there. I was very fortunate to have been at that blessed event. Two million men showed up, although one million was called for. That's a double portion of a prayer that was asked of God himself for that peaceful And blessed day. I remember that. Oh, and before I forget, that was our dear brother, Marion Barry,
0: who was mayor of DC at that time, who spoke so well and so eloquently about that blessed day and about others and about God's redemptive power of Himself. The reason I'm doing this podcast about the Million Man March is because we're coming up on the 27th anniversary of the Million
2: Man March. And what a day it was! So many people were so inspired, so energized, so enthused about seeing two million black men come together and nothing negative happened, even though many had
0: negative uh, thoughts about the Million Man March and they didn't think it could be done. Oh, but it was done. And there was a hand over that event to show the world that it could be done. And in fact, it was done. And so much was done afterwards. But like I said, we're coming up on the 27th anniversary of the Million Man March. Sunday marks the 27th anniversary. Sunday will be October the 16th. And I think all of us should go back and reflect upon that blessed event. I'm certainly doing so. And with this podcast, I'm going to be sharing snippets and clips of the speeches, or some of the speeches anyway, that were said that day. Of course, culminating up to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who was the keynote speaker and gave the keynote address and gave, and gave key commands and instructions for every black
2: man that was at that event to do after he left. What a blessed event. I
3: Barry, the host mayor of this city. we waited a long time. I know who you are waiting for. We all want to hear from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and we're going to bring him right up. Part of this holy day of atonement and reconciliation from the very beginning we have said that we want black men to take a greater responsibility for the uplift, for the nurture and for the care of our families yes, and our communities. Yes, sir. All right, Take your time. While it will be a great honor for me to present the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, I'm going to introduce his son to do that. And before bringing his son, who is the Assistant Supreme Captain of the Nation of Islam, I want to say that, there's just one thing I want to lay to rest.
4: ahead on Go ahead. Come on Come
3: on. Prior to this day, there was a whole lot of speculation yeah, right. about who was calling this march. Right. And before our brother comes. I want to just clarify to the world that God called this march through nobody else but the honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. There has been an attempt to separate the message and the magnitude of this march from the messenger. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are not going to let that happen. This is a march for and by black men, supported by black women, supported by black youth, right. black students, the black community, black church, black mosque, right. black fraternities. Want to thank the panel council, and particularly the five inter-sigma fraternity, for giving us their national headquarters for the national headquarters of the Million Man March. When you see one million men standing, and in fact now we're told we have more than, we have almost two million standing. That just didn't happen. It took a lot of people organizing, a lot of people working together to make this happen. And this is not just a one day event. We're going to continue to march when we get back home. We're going to continue to organize when we get back home. We're going to continue to mobilize when we get back home. We're going to register 8 million unregistered eligible black voters when we get back home. And when we get back home, never again are we going to allow anybody outside of the black community to tell us who we can meet with, when we can meet, and what we meet about. Never again! And so, sisters and brothers, it gives me great pleasure and great honor to present to you our brother, a strong soldier, A strong black man. The assistant supreme captain of the Fruit of Islam. Brother Mustafa Farrakhan. Let's hear it for our brother.
0: Oh, I remember that day like it was yesterday.
2: So many great black men showed up and showed out came together for unity. You had bloods. You had crips. You had a lot of the gangbangers that showed up. They talked about unification. They talked about
0: unity. They talked about cleaning up their lives, and they talked about
2: trying to do something in the community. That was an undeniable event. An undeniable event. And I was there at that blessed event. See, sometimes we look at things as trends. That, was, that event was not an event that would be considered a trend. It was not just an end thing to do at the moment. Every black male that was there I heard from the mouth of our dear, beloved,
0: and late Sister Ava Muhammad, Dr. Sister Ava Muhammad, that said every black man that showed up, them and their seed,
2: will be forever blessed because they made that event. As Dr. Reverend Benjamin F. Chavis was opening up and just about to introduce the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's son, who would then introduce his father, you saw the power of Dr. Benjamin Chavis. You saw the strength of Dr. Chavis. Saying, look, you guys will no longer
0: be able to tell us who we can meet with, who we can't meet with, who we can talk to, who we can't talk to. That was a powerful statement,
2: because too many of us now are still too afraid to talk to people
0: that's in the vein of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan in the Nation of Islam. We're still being controlled, and we'll tell the world that we are free-thinking black men or a free-thinking black woman, but in fact,
2: we're not. But oh, what a blessed event. Let's continue.
4: As-salamu alaykum. In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah who came in the person of Master Farad Muhammad. And I bear witness that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad is his true servant. And I further bear witness that Minister Louis Farrakhan is his divine reminder in our midst. On behalf of my family, my mothers here, my wife at home and my children, we have been the brunt of a whole lot of attacks. And those of you who know the plight of my father, Knows that whenever any black man is in trouble, he always comes to your aid. Come on.
2: Come on. Yeah.
4: Never be ashamed to stand up right. and say that Father Khan right. is a friend of the black man. Right. And I want all that, I challenge all of the leaders hey. that when you are asked by your enemy hey. come on. and those who oppressed us. Yeah. My father is not a bigot, he's not a racist, he is not an anti-Semite. And we have the history in our archive that will prove everything that I'm telling you. So, from the president on down to everybody who's under him, Farrakhan is in your midst today you don't have to think about what he said or listen to anybody about what he said call him yourself and ask him what he said I present to you the man that God has given this vision to For without the people will perish. And I say to you that my father is here to speak to you, so listen to him very carefully. I bring to you my leader, my teacher, my guide, my father, your brother, the Honorable Minister Lewis Farrakhan. Let us succeed.
2: Now, whether you like it or not, nobody can deny the charisma, the inspiration, the magnification,
0: the electrifying spirit that the Honorable
2: Minister Louis Farrakhan has. I was there. I saw who the many of the
0: two million black men came to listen to, came to hear, and came to get instruction
2: from. I was there. I was at that blessed event. We all waited for hours just to see the Honorable Minister
0: Louis Farrakhan. And to hear his words and to embed those words in our hearts as we would
2: move on from that event and eventually return to our places of abode. Nobody that day could inspire two million plus black men to do what we did from the beginning of the mention of the Million Man March
0: on until after the Million Man March. And we're talking 27 years. And whether you know it or not, the effects of the Million Man March is still being felt. Although the naysayers
2: are adverse. But I don't know about you. I'm enjoying this. I'm feeling the spirit all over again. And I'm sure as we continue, Those that were able to see via satellite TV, were able to listen to it via radio, or like myself, was able to be there, you, like the many, were anxiously awaiting the words and the instructions of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Let's continue.
5: In the name of Allah, the Beneficent, the Merciful, we thank Him for His prophets and the scriptures which they brought. We thank Him for Moses and the Torah. We thank Him for Jesus and the Gospel. We thank Him for Muhammad and the Quran. Peace be upon these worthy servants of Allah. I am so grateful to Allah for his intervention in our affairs in the person of Master Farad Muhammad the great Mahdi who came among us and raised from among us a divine leader, teacher and guide, his messenger to us, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. I greet all of you, my dear and wonderful brothers, with the greeting words of peace. We say it in the Arabic language, assalamu Alaikum. <laughs> I would like to thank all of those known and unknown persons who worked to make this day of atonement and reconciliation a reality. My thanks and my extreme gratitude to the Reverend Benjamin Chavis and to all of the members of the National Organizing Committees, to all of the local organizing committees, to Dr. Dorothy Haidt and the National Council of Negro Women, and all of the sisters who were involved in the planning of the Million Man March. Of course, if I named all those persons whom I know helped to make this event a reality, it would take a tremendous amount of time. But suffice it to say that we are grateful to all who made this day possible. We are grateful to those who put up the sound and the screens. We are grateful to all of the technical people who have made this possible, to all of the security personnel. My heartfelt thanks to Mr. Robert Johnson, the CEO of BET, for having the Reverend Chavis, Dr. Cornell West, and myself with Bev Smith on our voices to help inform our people of the purpose for the Million Man March and for taking out a full page endorsing the march in the USA Today newspaper. We thank all of the black newspapers, radio stations, commentators, disc jockeys who really talked up the Million Man March. The mass media did not get involved until the last minute, and it seemed as though they got involved with another agenda in mind. But to all of you, and we thank you a mass media too, because even though you planned it for mischief, God planned it for good, so we thank you very much for helping to make this day successful. And to all who participated in the program and who helped to formulate the program, to all the singers, the dancers, the performers, the speakers, to all of the celebrities, to the members of the Congressional Black Caucus, to all of the religious leaders who are present, to all of the state legislators, to everyone that made this day possible, words are inadequate to express our heartfelt thanks, but really in truth, all thanks, all praise, all honor, all glory belongs to God. For this is the day that the Lord has made so we are here rejoicing in this day. Certainly to all of the members of the Nation of Islam, to all of the ministers, captains, secretaries, and sister captains, to all of the foot soldiers who worked to raise money that this day could be produced and hopefully all of our vendors be paid. It is not adequate to express our deep sense of personal gratitude, so all I can say is thanks, thanks, thanks. Thank you. Now, where are we gathered? We're standing at the steps of the United States Capitol. I'm looking at the Washington Monument, and beyond it, to the Lincoln Memorial, and beyond that, to the left, to your right, the Jefferson Memorial. Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of these United States, and he was the man who allegedly freed us. Abraham Lincoln saw in his day what President Clinton sees in this day. He saw the great divide between black and white. Abraham Lincoln and Bill Clinton see what the Kerner Commission saw 30 years ago when they said that this nation was moving toward two Americas, one black, one white, separate, and unequal. And the Kerner Commission revisited their findings 25 years later and saw that America was worse today than it was in the time of Martin Luther King Jr., there's still two Americas, one black, one white, separate and unequal. Abraham Lincoln, when he saw this great divide, he pondered a solution of separation. Abraham Lincoln said he never was in favor of our being jurors or having of this nation. Abraham Lincoln said that if there were to be a superior or inferior he would rather the superior position be assigned to the white race. There in the middle of this mall is the Washington Monument 555 feet high. But if we put a one in front of that 555 feet, we get 1555 the year that our first fathers landed on the shores of Jamestown, Virginia as slaves. In the background is the Jefferson and Lincoln Memorial Each one of these monuments is 19 feet high. Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president, Thomas Jefferson, the third president, and 16 and 3 make 19 again. What is so deep about this number 19? Why are we standing on the capital steps today that number 19 when you have a nine you have a womb that is pregnant and when you have a one standing by the nine it means that there's something secret that has to be unfolded right here on this mall where we are standing according to books written on Washington, D.C., slaves used to be brought right here on this mall in chains to be sold up and down the eastern seaboard. Right along this mall, going over to the White House, our fathers were sold into slavery. But George Washington, the first president of the United States, said he feared that before too many years passed over his head, this slave would prove to become a most troublesome species of property. Thomas Jefferson said he trembled for this country when he reflected that God was just and that his justice could not sleep forever. Well, the day that these presidents feared has now come to pass. For on this mall, here we stand in the capital of America and the layout of this great city laid out by a black man, Benjamin Banneker, this is all placed and based in a secret Masonic ritual and at the core Of the secret of that ritual is the black man. Not far from here is the White House and the first president of this land, George Washington, who was a grand master of the Masonic Order, laid the foundation, the cornerstone of this Capitol building where we stand. George, was a slave owner. George was a slave owner. Now the president spoke today and he wanted to heal the great divide but I respectfully suggest to the president you did not dig deep enough at the malady that divides black and white, in order to affect a solution to the problem. And so, today, we have to deal with the root so that, perhaps, a healing can take place. Now, this obelisk at the Washington Monument is Egyptian. And this whole layout is reminiscent of our great historic past, Egypt. And if you look at the original seal of the United States, published by the Department of State in 1909, Gaylord Hunt wrote that late in the afternoon of July 4th, 1776, the Continental Congress resolved that Dr. Benjamin Franklin, Mr. John Adams, and Mr. Thomas Jefferson be a committee to prepare a device for a seal of the United States of America. In the design proposed by the first committee, the face of the seal was a coat of arms measured in six quarters. That number is significant, six quarters with emblems representing England, Scotland, Ireland, France, Germany and Holland, the countries from which the new nation had been peopled. The Eye of Providence in a radiant triangle and the motto, E Pluribus Unum, were also proposed for the face of the seal. Even though the country was populated by so-called Indians, and black slaves were brought to build the country. The official seal of the country was never designed to reflect our presence, only that of the European immigrants. The seal and the Constitution reflect the thinking of the Founding Fathers that this was to be a nation by white people and for white people. Native Americans, blacks, and all other non-white people were to be the burden bearers for the real citizens of this nation. For the back of the seal, the committee suggested a picture of Pharaoh sitting in an open chariot with a crown on his head and a sword in his hand, passing through the divided waters of the Red Sea in pursuit of the Israelites. And hovering over the sea was to be shown a pillar of fire in a cloud, expressive of the divine presence and command. And rays from this pillar of fire were to be shown beaming down on Moses, standing on the shore, extending his hand over the sea, causing it to overwhelm Pharaoh. The motto for the reverse was rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God let me say it again rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God now why did they mention Pharaoh I heard the president say today e pluribus unum out of many one but in the past out of many comes one meant out of many Europeans come one people. The question today is out of the many Asians, the many Arabs, the many Native Americans, the many blacks, the many people of color who populate this country, do you mean for them to be made into the one? If so, truth has to be spoken to justice we can't cover things up cover them over give it a pretty sound to make people feel good we have to go to the root of the problem now why have you come today you came not at the call of louis farrakhan But you have gathered here at the call of God. For it is only the call of Almighty God, no matter who through whom that call came, that could generate this kind of outpouring. God called us here to this place at this time for a very specific reason. And now, I want to say, my brothers, This is a very pregnant moment, pregnant with the possibility of tremendous change in our status in America and in the world. And although the call was made through me, many have tried to distance the beauty of this idea from the person through whom the idea and the call was made. Some have done it mistakenly. And others have done it in a malicious and vicious manner. Brothers and sisters, there is no human being through whom God brings an idea that history doesn't marry the idea with that human being, no matter what defect was in that human being's character. You can't separate Newton from the law that Newton discovered. Nor can you separate Einstein from the theory of relativity. It would be silly to try to separate Moses from the Torah, or Jesus from the Gospel, or Muhammad from the Quran. When well, you say, Farrakhan, you ain't no Moses, you ain't no Jesus, and you're not no Muhammad you have a defect in your character. Well, that certainly may be so. However, according to the way the Bible reads, there is no prophet of God written of in the Bible that did not have a defect in his character. But I have never heard any member of the faith of judaism separate david from the psalms because of what happened in david's life and you never separated solomon from the building of the temple because they say he had a thousand concubines and you never separated any of the great servants of god so today whether you like it or not. God brought the idea through me, and he didn't bring it through me because my heart was dark with hatred and anti-Semitism. He didn't bring it through me because my heart was dark and I'm filled with hatred for white people and for the human family of the planet. If my heart were that dark, How is the message so bright, the message so clear, the response so magnificent? And so we stand here today, at this historic moment, we are standing in the place of those who could not make it here today. We are standing on the blood of our ancestors. We are standing on the blood of those who died in the middle passage, who died in the fields and swamps of America, who died hanging from trees in the south, who died in the cells of their jailers, who died on the highways, and who died in the fratricidal conflict that rages within our community. We are standing on the sacrifice. Of the lives of those heroes our great men and women that we today may accept the responsibility that life imposes upon each traveler who comes this way we must accept the responsibility that god has put upon us not only to be good husbands and fathers and builders of our community but god is now calling upon the despised and the rejected, to become the cornerstone and the builders of a new world. And so our brief subject today is taken from the American Constitution, in these words, toward a more perfect union, toward a more perfect union. Now when you use the word more with perfect that which is perfect is that which has been brought to completion. So when you use more perfect you're either saying that what you call perfect is perfect for that stage of its development, but not yet complete. When Jefferson said toward a more perfect union, he was admitting that the union was not perfect, that it was not finished, that work had to be done. And so we are gathered here today not to bash somebody else. We're not gathered here to save all of the evils of this nation. But we are gathered here to collect ourselves for a responsibility that God is placing on our shoulders to move this nation toward a more perfect union. Now, when you look at the word toward, toward, it means in the direction of, in furtherance or partial fulfillment of, with a view to obtaining or having, shortly before, coming soon, imminent, going on in progress.
1: Go ahead.
5: Well, that's right. We're in progress toward a perfect union. Union means bringing elements or components into unity. It is something formed by uniting two or more things. It is a number of persons, states, etc., which are joined or associated together for some common purpose. We are not here to tear down America. America is tearing itself down. We are here to rebuild the wasted cities. What we have in the word toward is motion. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that motion is the first law of the universe. This motion, which takes us from one point to another, shows that we are evolving and we are a part of a universe that is ever-evolving. We are on an evolutionary course that will bring us to perfection or completion of the process toward. A perfect union with God in the word toward there is a law and that law is everything that is created is in harmony with the law of evolution change nothing is standing still it is either moving toward perfection or moving toward disintegration or under certain circumstances, doing both things at the same time. The word for this evolutionary changing, affecting stage after stage until we reach perfection. In Arabic, it is called Rab. And from the word Rab, you get the word rabbi, or teacher. One who nourishes a people from one stage. And brings them to another stage well if we are in motion and we are motion toward perfection and we are there can be no motion toward perfection without the Lord who created the law of evolution and is the master of the changes our first motion then must be toward the god who created the law of the evolution of our being and if our motion toward him is right and proper then our motion toward a perfect union with each other and with government and with the peoples of the world will be perfected so let us start where the process leading to that perfect union must first be seen now brothers and sisters The day of atonement is established by God to help us achieve a closer tie with the source of wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and power. For it is only through a closer union or tie with him who created us all, with him who has power over all things, that we can draw power, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding from him that we may be enabled to change the realities of our life. A perfect union with God is the idea at the base of atonement. Now atonement demands of us eight steps. In fact, atonement is the fifth step in an eight-stage process. Look at our division. Not here. Out there.
2: Nourish your gut with fiber.
5: We as a people who have been fractured, divided, and destroyed because of our division now must move toward a perfect union. Let's look at a speech delivered by a white slaveholder on the banks of the James River in 1712, 68 years before our former slave masters permitted us to join the Christian faith listen to what he said he said quote in my bag I have a foolproof method of controlling black slaves I guarantee every one of you if installed correctly it will control the slaves for at least three hundred years my method is simple Any member of your family or your overseer can use it. I have outlined a number of differences among the slaves and I take these differences and I make them bigger. I use fear, distrust, and envy for control purposes.
4: I want you to listen.
5: What are those three things? Fear, envy, distrust for what purpose control to control who the slave who is the slave us listen he said these methods have worked on my modest plantation in the west indies and they will work throughout the south now take this simple little list and think about it on the top of my list is age but it's only there because it starts with an a and the second is color or shade There's intelligence, sex, size of plantation, status of plantation, attitude of owners, whether the slaves live in the valley or on a hill, north, east, south, or west, have fine hair or coarse hair, or is tall or short. Now that you have a list of differences, I shall give you an outline of action. But before that, I shall assure you that distrust is stronger than trust and envy is stronger than adulation, respect or admiration. The black slave, after receiving this indoctrination, shall carry it on and will become self-refueling and self-generating for hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years. Now don't forget, you must pitch the old black male against the young black male and the young Black male against the old Black male you must use the female against the male and you must use the male against the female You must use the dark skinned slave against the light-skinned slave and the light-skinned slave against the dark-skinned slave You must also have your white servants and overseers Distrust all blacks, but it is necessary that your slaves trust and depend on us. They must love, respect, and trust only us. Gentlemen, these keys are your keys to control. Use them. Never miss an opportunity. And if used intensely for one year, the slaves themselves will remain perpetually distrustful. Thank you, gentlemen. End of quote. So spoke Willie Lynch 283 years ago. And so as a consequence, we as a people now have been fractured, divided and destroyed filled with fear, distrust, and envy. Therefore, because of fear, envy, and distrust of one another, many of us as leaders, teachers, educators, pastors, and persons are still under the control mechanism of our former slave masters and their children. And now, in spite of all that division, In spite of all that divisiveness, we responded to a call, and look at what is present here today. We have here those brothers with means and those who have no means. Those who are light and those who are dark. Those who are educated. Those who are uneducated. Those who are business people. Those who don't know anything about business. Those who are young. Those who are old. Those who are scientific. Those who know nothing of science. Those who are religious and those who are irreligious. Those who are Christian. Those who are Muslim. Those who are Baptist. Those who are Methodist. Those who are Episcopalian. Those of traditional African religion. we got them all here today. Go ahead, Brother and why did we come? We came because we want to move a Muslim perfect union. And if you notice, the press triggered every one of those divisions. You shouldn't come. You're a Christian. That's a Muslim thing. You shouldn't come. You're too intelligent to follow hate. You shouldn't come. Look at what they did. They excluded women, you see. They played all the cards. They pulled all the strings. Oh, but you better look again, Willie. There's a new black man in America today. A new black woman in America today. Now brothers, there's a social benefit of our gathering here today and that is that from this day forward, we can never again see ourselves through the narrow eyes of the limitation of the boundaries of our own fraternal, civic, political, religious, street organization or professional organization. We are forced by the magnitude of what we see here today that whenever you return to your cities and you see a black man a black woman don't ask him what is your social political, political or religious affiliation or what is your status know that he is your brother and if it needs help you are obligated to help your brother because he is your brother You must live beyond the narrow restrictions of the divisions that have been imposed upon us. Well, some of us are here because it's history-making. Some of us are here because it's a march through which we can express anger and rage with America for what she has and is doing to us. So we're here for many reasons, but the basic reason that this was called was for atonement. And reconciliation so it is necessary for me in as short a time as possible to give as full an explanation of atonement as possible as I said earlier atonement is the fifth stage in an eight-stage process so let's go back to the first stage of the process that brings us into perfect union with God and the first stage Is the most difficult of all because when we are wrong and we are not aware of it someone has to point out the wrong I want to I want to say this again but I want to say it slowly and I really want each one of these points to sink in how many of us in this audience at some time or another have been wrong we just raise our hands Okay. Now when we are wrong, Lord knows we want to be right. The most difficult thing is when somebody points it out. Do we accept it? Do we reject it? Do we hate the person who pointed out our wrong? How do we treat the person who points out our wrong? Now I want you to follow me. When you go to a doctor, you're not feeling well. The doctor says, What's wrong? Well, I don't know, doc. Well, where's the pain? Tell me something about the symptoms. You want the doctor to make a correct diagnosis. You don't smack the doctor when he points out what's wrong. You don't hate the doctor when he points out what's wrong. You say, Thank you, doctor. What's my prescription for healing? Go ahead, paint the picture. Go ahead. We all right? Yes now look whoever is entrusted with the task of pointing out wrong depending on the nature of the circumstances is not always loved in fact more than likely that person is going to be hated and misunderstood such persons are generally hated because no one wants to be shown as being wrong particularly When you're dealing with governments, with principalities, with powers, with rulers, with administrations, when you're dealing with forces which have become entrenched in their evil, intractable, and unyielding, their power produces an arrogance, and their arrogance produces a blindness. And out of that evil state of mind, they will do all manner of evil to the person who points out their are wrong. Ahead, Even ahead, though you're doing good for them go ahead, by pointing out where America went wrong. Ahead, now Martin Luther King Jr. was probably one of the most patriotic Americans. Go ahead, go ahead, more go ahead, go ahead. patriotic than George Washington. Yeah, more yeah, patriotic than Thomas Jefferson. That's more patriotic than many of the presidents because he had the courage to point out what was wrong in the society. And because he pointed out what was wrong, he was evil spoken of, vilified, maligned, hated, and eventually murdered. Brother Malcolm, that same road to travel he pointed out what was wrong in the society and he had to suffer for pointing out what was wrong and he ultimately died on the altar for pointing out what was wrong inside the nation outside the nation to the greater nation and to the smaller nation we're talking about moving toward a perfect union well Pointing out fault, pointing out our wrongs, is the first step. The second step is to acknowledge. Oh, thank you. Oh, man, I'm wrong. To acknowledge means to admit the existence, the reality, or the truth of some reality. It is to recognize as being valid or having force and power. It is to express thanks, appreciation, or gratitude. So in this context, the word acknowledgement means to be in a state of recognition of the truth of the fact that we have been wrong. This is the second step. Well, the third step is that after you know you're wrong and you acknowledge it to yourself, who else knows it except you confess it.
4: Go ahead, Go ahead, yes
5: sir. You say, well, yeah, all right. But who should I confess to? And why should I confess? The Bible says confession is good for the soul. Now, brothers, I know I don't have a lot of time, but the soul is the essence of a person's being. Yes sir. And when the soul is covered with guilt from sin and wrongdoing, the mind and the actions of the person reflect the condition of the soul. So to free the soul or the essence of man from its burden, one must acknowledge one's wrong, but then one must confess. The Holy Quran says it like this, I have been greatly unjust to myself, and I confess my faults. So grant me protection against all my faults, for none grants protection against faults but thee. It is only through confession that we can be granted protection from the consequences of our faults, for every deed
0: has a consequence. That was the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And he had just began to talk about the eight steps of atonement. I would encourage every listener that heard this podcast
2: to go back and look at the October 16,
0: 1995 Million Man March event. You can find it on YouTube. You can go to NOI.org or FinalCall.com to look up the Million Man March
2: and specifically look up the Eight Steps of Atonement. He bought out the Eight Steps of Atonement for a very specific reason. And if we are Honest with ourselves. All of us are in need of atonement. All of us have faltered. All of us have fallen. All of us have become in short or come up short in some way, shape, or form. And we have
0: fallen short of duty to one another, to ourselves, into our community. And in order for us to make things better, specifically in the black community, we have to shirk this idea that meekness or humility, or the word accountability, is somehow detrimental detrimental and somehow related to negativity towards us.
2: We cannot continue to ask for our communities to be cleaned up and for others to act right by us if we are indeed and in fact not acting right by ourselves. It starts with self,
0: it starts with taking a look in the mirror, it starts with acknowledging. That you have fallen short. And this is whether you're a man or a woman. So many of us hide behind a fig leaf. Because we feel like if we become exposed. Somebody will do harm to us. Not realizing. By not exposing. The things that we are hiding. We are actually damaging
2: ourselves because we are carrying the burden of the guilt, the fault, the shortcomings, and everything in between.
0: But this has been so delightful to go back and reminisce and recall and reclaim the spirit of the Million Man March. I hope you guys gotten something out of this episode. I hope you will come back and listen time and time and again, and just kind of replay. And of course, go to noi.org or YouTube or finalcall.com and look up the Million Man March. Sunday is the day, and we will be celebrating the 27th anniversary of the. Million Man March in the Holy Day of Atonement. Thank
2: you guys for listening. Thank you in advance. Be blessed. And as always, subscribe, like, share. Leave a comment. On the All Things Black podcast. I'm your host, Daryl, and be blessed.